to Hillcrest Church Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Hey, good morning. Uh, Welcome to Hillcrest Church. I hope that you paid attention during that small groups video. That is just an incredible number and a wide variety of opportunities and short-term study groups. So I hope that you can find an on-ramp into discipling community at Hillcrest Church. Uh, My name is Christian Lindbeck. I get to lead the outstanding team of pastors and staff around here. We're glad to have you. Uh, Today is the final formal teaching Sunday of this Koinonia series. We've got a treat in store for next week, but we've spent the past five weeks unpacking some, we haven't had a chance for all of it, some of the beauty of honest Christian community that's close It's unified, it's diverse, and it is a foreshadow of the fully restored global multi-ethnic kingdom of God. Now, last week I shared this diagram, and, and maybe it's even kind of popping up into full screen so you can get a look at it right now. And I described this diagram as a thought tool. And a thought tool is really simple. A thought tool is a simple image, value, or concept that you can run endless scenarios through to refine your thinking, to enable your conversations, and hopefully to draw some helpful conclusions. The thought tool that we're working with arranges belief uh, into three concentric circles. I'm talking here about Christian belief. Uh, In the middle is the most strongly held and unchanging beliefs, and then uh, out towards the end, the most flexible and speculative beliefs at the edge. Uh, In the middle, as it says on the diagram, is dogma. And we define dogma as the line of incontrovertible truth. Last week, we began to try to define what it looks like to establish that line. And we said at least this about it, that dogma should be a limited list established from very clear scripture. Well, outside of dogma, you get doctrine. Now, doctrine is a carefully, and I like to underscore carefully, a carefully developed set of beliefs that you take from dogma and from deduction and from reason and from Scripture develop a broader sense of beliefs. Well, outside dogma, doctrine, the last circle out there that we called EPVO is experiences, perspectives, and think of all the individual differences there, experiences, perspectives, values, deeply held values and opinions, and they're all good. I just wanted to say that they all needed to be established as different. And I also wanted to say that it's that third, that outside ring of EPVO that carries a lot of the freight of emotion, and the difficulty comes when the outside ring and the strong convictions there gets mixed with those inside rings of doctrine and dogma, and maybe even sometimes made the same thing. So um, I encouraged believers last week to seek unity and to keep grace in their conversations by setting the center, uh, that's in ways, in shared truth at however deep they need to go. So setting the center in shared truth and then keeping their conversations delineated in which circle of truthness their ideas belong in. And that gives a lot of leeway and a lot of freedom for interesting conversations. Well, this week, 
uh, I want to talk about moving in the opposite direction. So we moved into the middle of the circle to sit in the center. This week I want to talk about moving out from the middle of the circle. And I would say inspired. Jesus is our leader as Christians. We follow his example. So inspired by both his example and his clarion call to Christians, uh, well-rooted Christians missionally venture out, out of the safety of the middle and out of their safe places. And I'm going to call this new thought exercise, stretching our reach. So we set the center and this is stretching our reach. To help visualize what I want to say today or what I mean to say, I'm going to have to deploy another illustration that I'm going to lay on top of this one. So you're going to kind of have to put your imagining hats on with me as we combine these two images together. Um, I want you to imagine a peg and a tether. So I might need to imagine that the peg is like a long stake like a tent peg, right? A tent peg, and that the tether is like a long, thin rope. And I can hammer the peg into the ground, and then I've got this long, thin rope that's tied to the peg at one end, and then at the other end of it has a ball. We'll call this a tether ball at the other end. So I've got a peg that I can put in the ground, a stake, like a tent stake, and I have a thin rope, and then I have a tether ball. Can you, can you make that mental image? Uh, because I'm going to ask you to do some further imagining. Now, I want you to take this image, stake, stake peg, line, tether ball, and I want you to lay it over our thought tool, setting the peg in the middle of the thought tool and letting the line and the tether ball move out towards the edge. Do you got it? And I think we even have a diagram here for you. Okay, now, good. If you've got it, I want to imagine some scenarios with you, and that's what you do with a thought tool. Now, I want you to imagine that I have a peg that's three feet long. I have a good long peg, and I have a tether that's 12 feet long. Uh, can you picture that? It's mathy, but, you know, peg and tether. Now, there's still a tether ball tied out at the end of that line. Now, imagine we're in a grassy field somewhere, and we've painted our thought tool on the ground. Dogma, doctrine, EPVO. And it's like 15 feet across. That's roughly like two LeBron James laying on the ground, head to head across, right? We've got a big circle on the ground, and we've got the peg in the middle and the line kind of running out the end. Um, now imagine that I drive this three-foot peg about two inches into the ground. I just kind of push it in with my hand. How far do you think I can even just simply unwind the rope before I knock the peg over and just start dragging it around on the ground and through the circles. I, I bet you I couldn't even get six feet of the line, let alone do anything with the ball, before I pulled the peg over and drug it around the poor little circles. Why? Because that peg is too shallowly set. Now, now imagine that I get frustrated when this happens, so I go back to that three-foot peg, and I take out a hammer, and I smash that peg into the ground until the only thing sticking above the ground is like the little ring that the rope is tied to. So now i got that peg all the way down. Now, now how far can I unfurl that tether? Well, all 12 feet, right? In fact, I bet you I could put the ball on the ground and kick it as hard as I wanted to and it'd shoot out to the end of the tether and come to an immediate stop um, out at the end of that line. So, how does this image help our thought tool exercise. As we look to stretch our reach, how does this image help? And I want to talk about three quick rules for stretching 
our reach. Rule number one, uh, the security to powerfully test our Christian beliefs only comes with strongly possessed dogma, dogma and doctrine. The ability to reach comes with only strongly possessed dogma and doctrine. And Paul, Paul doesn't mince his words sometimes, but he's writing to the Ephesian church. These are Christians, but he's saying some of you are not mature Christians. You, you don't really know what you believe, peg two inches in the ground, right? You don't really know what you believe. And he says, you're like a you're like a boat in rough seas. It's just tossed around by every wave or wind of new ideas. Let me pick him up at Ephesians 4.14 here. He says, I'm going to use some of his soft words, your infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Uh, let me modernize it. Every Facebook post sways you to a new idea. Let's go back to our thought tool in the field with the peg and the tether. Now, I, I like to imagine uh, the meeting of maturity and hard testing of our beliefs is something like somebody else showing up to start kicking that tether ball around, right? They come with strong ideas about something they believe, and they start kicking that ball as hard as they can around the circle of our doctrine, our dogma, doctrine, and EPVO. Now, if that is shallow in the ground, when I think of somebody who's not mature, I think of that poor little peg just immediately yanked out of the ground and then kind of drug around the circles and other people picking the peg up for you and trying to tap it into the ground, right? Here's, here's where your dogma's at or here's, here's what you believe. And so I just see these little sad little trails all over our field where this peg has been drug around. Like the boat on the water, underpowered, underanchored, so is an immature Christian who doesn't know what they believe, underpowered, underanchored. The Bible encourages us in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. Peter encourages us in 1 Peter 3, 15, be prepared to give an answer for what you believe. The author of Hebrews puts it rather pointedly. I'll pick it up in Hebrews 5. I'll take it through 12 through 14. He says, here's what it's like. By this time, you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Drive the peg into the ground. Rule number two, driving the peg into the ground simply takes time living the truth. You see, driving the peg into the ground is not some mental thing that you do. I decide. Here's what I decide. And I decide it very firmly. So that drives the peg into the ground. It's not just a mental or academic exercise. It's a lived one. It's lived truth. You think, you pray, you test, you taste, you fail, you get back up. Eugene Peterson famously called it a long obedience in the same direction. There's no one idea, no one inspiring book, no one-week retreat that does all the heavy lifting. It's a million trialed choices. What do I believe? How does that impact the way or play out in the way I live? What 
Beliefs and behaviors yield fruit and love and joy and peace. And what yields shame and disappointment and dissatisfaction. You want to know how you drive your peg in the ground? Day after day. Tap. 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 Prayer. Scripture. Living. Wondering. Joy. Experiencing grace. Love. Arguments. Long nights. Hard questions. Worship. Wrestling with the truth. Tap. 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 God brings tests that are appropriate to your depth. Tap. 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 Now sometimes we make Decisions in the midst of those trials that either wiggle the peg loose or smash it down into the ground. And really it depends on how we walk out the things that happen to everybody in life in intimacy with Jesus. Because the same thing that can pull the peg out can really drive it in. Let me give you some examples. Depression, unexpected change, tragedy, temptation, trials, all those things can set us adrift, pull, pull the peg out of the ground. But these same things, when we will run to Jesus with our weakness and let him transform who we are by the Holy Spirit and shape our loves, those things can pound the peg into the ground. James says in 1-2, James 1-2 says, Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because that will create perseverance. I thought that was going to come up for me, and now I'm going to have to go to my scripture here and finish it for you. Uh, he says, James 1-2, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We drive the peg in the ground. We say things like, Lord, I desire to run away from my troubles and the things that are hard, but instead I choose you, and I run towards the people I love. Bang! Drives that peg into the ground. Lord, I want to numb my pain. I want to soothe raw emotions with food or alcohol or pot or porn. But instead, I come gently to you. I find real comfort, real peace, real truth. I claim who you are, so I claim who I am. Bang! Bang! We drive that pain into the ground. Lord, I want to hate. I want to punish those people I disagree with. But instead, I choose you and your kingdom. I set down my selfish pride. I seek others with love and forgiveness, considering them as better than myself. Bang, bang, bang. Drive the peg in the ground. Known and lived truth crushes the peg into the ground. Now, I want us to imagine that we are mature Christians. Now, hopefully there's not too much imagining that has to go on there. But imagine that you're a mature Christian. You've spent uh, a long time bashing that peg into the ground. It's now a super peg. The peg is now 15, it's 14, 15 feet long. It has uh, barbs that hold it down into the ground. It's put all the way down, 14 feet into the ground with barbs holding it down. What do you imagine all of that holding strength is for? Stretching. Like you have not spent your life testing truth, banging the peg in the ground to let it sit still, but to stretch the tether. Can you imagine all that peg in the ground, but the tether never let out? No tether ball subject to pounding, kicking, or pulling challenges. What fun is that? And what influence would we ever have outside of our little circles? This brings me really to my central point about stretching our reach. 
Still using this thought tool, I want to propose that mature Christians who are well-grounded in their dogma and doctrines ought to have the peg to be around, even seek out, hear, discuss, respond, and be challenged by a huge variety of people and ideas that are way outside of their native circles. Not only should they be comfortable with it, they should look for it. Go find the thing where they carry their influence and their faith, that huge peg, like assured by a 14-foot peg in the ground, leaning into the tether, looking to be influencers outside their circle. Now, I want to be careful. I'm not pointing, maybe only point fingers at myself, but it seems to me like sometimes we drive that super 14-foot peg into the ground, we stand right next to it, holding our foot on top of it, pointing out threats. Instead of going out with it, we're like, ha, threat, don't come near my 14-foot peg in the ground. When, dear friends, I think we're meant to put the peg at our back and carry the good news outward. Now, this means we're going to end up in interesting places and unexpected conversations that, I must tell you right now, many other Christians might find threatening or offensive. When I worked at Canyon Creek Church, we had a ministry to UFC fighters called Fight Pastor. I know. I know, I know, I know. But whatever you think about it, I saw real fruit there. And one of the most amazing things that happened to me is we'd go and we'd see God do these amazing things and we'd come back among Christians and some well-intentioned people would say something like, you can't be around those kinds of people in Las Vegas. And uh, I was stunned. Often just stunned into more obedience (laughs) to do that very thing. Because I thought that Jesus might love that criticism. For he was frequently among people and in places that the religious people of his day found offensive and incomprehensible. (laughs) One day when Jesus was around just these kinds of people, as he frequently was, some of the religious people showed up to grumble over his freedom. Can I read it to you in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1? It says, listen, I'm going to try to go slow as I can. Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering all around to hear Jesus. How great is that sentence right there? Jesus was collecting all these people. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law grumbled. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I know that he received that as a compliment the moment it passed their lips. And so Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Don't you leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until you find it? And when you find it, don't you rejoice? And he unpacks this parable about rejoicing after a lost sheep. He says, I tell you in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven than one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. So, friends, where will we stretch our reach to find the one? Where will you go? Where will we go? What conversations, book clubs, meetings, or situations are we willing to find ourselves in? Faculty meetings at a secular university as a Christian? Of course. What about a faculty meeting that was called to rally against Christians? Yes. What about a secular gathering for human rights? What about a BLM rally 
or a white supremacist rally? Does that rile some responses? Because I would say yes. If your peg is in the ground, there are places where gospel-knowing, believing, and influencing Christians are need. How about an AIDS clinic? Because I'd say yes. One of my dear friends spent some of his most productive ministry at an AIDS clinic on Capitol Hill as the only Christian. Now, initially, he took heat from the people at the clinic, but he spent a lifetime taking heat from Christians for serving in Jesus' name at the clinic. When we are rooted, and again, the caveat, we must be rooted, When we are deeply rooted in what we know, assured in our dogma and doctrine, well, then I think we're invited by Jesus outward to be among new people and places with the good news. I just want you to imagine yourself stretching out your thought tool. You're anchored, you're safe, but you're reaching. Close your mind and let the line roll out. Be confident because you're pegged. Where does it go? Where are you challenged? Who do you end up talking to? Friends, to live in diverse unity, we're going to have to keep setting the center with each other. And having set the center, we must constantly endeavor to drive in the peg. But having driven in the peg, we get to follow Jesus' example to go out and find his lost sheep and gather them into his koinonia community, close, unified, diverse, as a reflection of his global, multi-ethnic kingdom that will last forever. Would you join me in a prayer? Lord Jesus, what a tremendous gift you give us. You provide to us rest in the gospel. You assure us and challenge us at just the right level for our journey of maturity all the time. You come alongside us with the Holy Spirit to illuminate the truth that we find in Scripture and to help us drive the peg into the ground. You walk alongside us in daily life so that when we run to you, you transform us by the renewing of our minds, and you drive the peg into the ground. And now, Lord, we celebrate that you don't just mean for us to stand around guarding the peg, but to stretch out the tether, submit the tether ball to challenges, and take your good news, your grace, the fruits of your spirit, and this truth that you are not counting people's sins against them, but reconciling the world to yourself because of Jesus Christ. Lord, give us courage to know that we're well pegged and sent out in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Church. For more info on this and other sermons, visit us online at hcbellingham.com or join us at 9 or 11 a.m. any Sunday morning, 1400 Larrabee Ave, Bellingham, Washington.